To me, it was the right fit, you know, against the New York Giants. Like, this is, this is the New York Giants. If you don't like it, then you're welcome to leave. But that's the way that we do things around here. We play in New Jersey, man, so there's going to be some chippiness. There's going to be some griminess. But we're leaving it within the line, and I'll take a team like that. Once a Giant, always a Giant. For me, it's only a Giant. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of All In with Art Stapleton, a New York Giants podcast brought to you by the USA Today Network. I am your host, Art Stapleton, and the first NFL draft of Joe Shane's tenure as general manager of the New York Giants is in the books, and from most accounts, he's gotten high marks across the board, and I think it was the distinctive style that Shane put together this draft board, what he wanted in this draft, and what the Giants did, especially at the top, that have certainly gotten this regime off to a good start. We'll get to that in a a sec, but on today's show, one of the stars of the NFL draft, certainly with the Giants and beyond, New Jersey teen Sam Prince, who was a -A Make-A-Wish recipient, I'll have his story and all of the fun from his weekend, which included his onstage moment with Kayvon Thibodeau after announcing the Giants' fifth overall selection in Las Vegas. Sam's an aspiring broadcaster. You've probably seen him somewhere along the line over the last five days or so. But Sam was kind enough to join me. I wrote a story on Sam on Friday night on NorthJersey.com. So if you haven't seen that, make sure you check that out. So we'll have my interview with Sam and his recap of the weekend. But first, I'll give you my thoughts on the draft, what the Giants were able to accomplish, and really more of an insight on Joe Shane. Because next week, the Giants will have their rookie mini camp, and I'll go into the players next week more so Uh, than this week. So I think really more of an overview of what I thought of Shane's process, how he put together his board, what we learned, and we'll start right there. The thing that I thought was most interesting is that the Giants had done their homework across the board. Now, previous regimes say, you know, we like this guy, we put him on our board, but it was very clear that the Giants dug into players and identified where they'd be comfortable in selecting them. And the idea that some of the guys came on top 30 visits, and I'm not talking about Kayvon Thibodeau or Evan Neal. I'm talking about guys in the mid-rounds and guys they had in the building, the Daniel Bellingers, who met with Brandon Brown, assistant general manager, at a rooftop restaurant in San Diego. And Dane Belton, safety from Iowa. And, you know, just the idea that these were players that the Giants were on from the very beginning speaks to Joe Shane's evaluation process. He's taken it another step forward. And as much as the Giants in the past have identified players, I don't believe that they ever went to the depths to which Joe Shane and this group went to, to identify players, to get to know them personally. 
And that's something that Shane said that he believed in going all the way back to his introductory press conference is that it's as much about the player as it is the prospect. And you don't make a bad draft pick because it's a bad prospect. More times than not, it's the bad person fit. And I think they've shown that they're willing to go to that length. And right off the top, Kayvon Thibodeau at five. I have to admit, I was a little surprised, but I knew the Giants were interested. There's a reason why I wrote a story on Kayvon Thibodeau at the Combine. And then I wrote another story when Joe Shane, and I broke the story that he was going to Oregon to Kayvon's Pro Day. What we didn't know is the night before he went out to dinner with Kayvon Thibodeau, and they went to a Korean barbecue place in Eugene, Oregon. Now, if that doesn't scream glitz and glamour, I don't know what does. Obviously, I'm being a little facetious. But the Giants did their homework, and they clearly pushed Kayvon Thibodeau's buttons, both at the Combine, and, you know, there's this rumor that's going around that somehow Brian Cox, the assistant defensive line coach, pushed Thibodeau to the point where he needed to get up and compose himself. I have not heard that. I haven't been able to verify or validate whether or not that is a true story. But I do know that the Giants wanted to do everything they could to push his buttons, to to see how a guy would react under these circumstances. And Kayvon Thibodeau was one of the guys who revealed what the Giants talked to him about in their formal meeting at the Combine. And guess what it was? It was if you go three weeks without a sack as a rookie and the media comes to you and asks you, why are you a bust? Why don't you have a a sack? What would your response be? And it takes off a negative tone a little bit, but you almost get the sense that there has to be a little bit of that push and shove, right, with prospects. And you do it respectfully. But you almost want to see how Thibodeau was going to react. And the biggest knock on Thibodeau was the fact that he had already thought he arrived. You know, I wrote that several times and I had I had people at the Combine tell me about Thibodeau. Is that if he can be as good as he thinks he already is, he's going to be a home run. Well, you know, that also speaks to the flip side. Is that how willing is he to, to be coached? And what will he accept on a practice field with teammates. And although there weren't any rumblings out at Oregon, the idea that he wasn't willing to accept coaching or to be a good teammate, that kind of thing hung over him throughout this entire process. So the Giants clearly were comfortable enough to take Thibodeau at five. I would have liked to see what had happened if they had Sauce Gardner still on the board at five. I think they may have gone Sauce Gardner. I don't know that 100%. I do know that Evan Neal was their top guy, as I told you on our previous podcast, uh, the reaction podcast after the first round. And had I told you the week before when I was on with Peter Schrager, I believed Evan Neal was their top offensive lineman and they would have taken Neal over Aquanu and Charles Cross. Turned out they get him at seven. Now, I'll mention this a little bit with Sam later in the show, but my gut was that someone was moving up to six to Carolina to get Thibodeau 
if the Giants picked Evan Neal at five. I think Carolina would have traded out of that pick, out of that spot. And it could have been the Eagles. It could have been the Cowboys. It could have been someone else to trade up into that spot. But I do believe that that six would have been on the move if the Giants picked Evan Neal. Uh, I know Carolina obviously likes Ike Aquanu, uh, but I think they wanted to, to deal out. And once the Giants took Thibodeau, I don't think anyone was trading up for Aquanu, and I think that's why Carolina made the pick. So that's where we're at. We've got, Like I said, we've got rookie minicamp coming up next week. So I'll really dive into day two and day three of the draft. Then I want to get to the interview with Sam. Uh, look, he was great when I talked to him on the phone last week. And you tend to forget he's a 19-year-old senior at high school at West Essex in New Jersey. Uh, he just spent five days in Las Vegas with his family kind of unexpectedly becoming one of the stars of the NFL draft. So it's been a whirlwind for him. This is not the only podcast he's been on. He's bounced around. He's taken in everything and all the experience. And, you know, I love it for him, honestly. And he seems like a really good kid. He'll tell you your story. Uh, He'll tell you his story. And he'll tell you other stories eventually because he's somebody who has a future in this business, uh, however it turns out. So without further ado, let's get to Sam Prince and my interview with Sam. Enjoy. All right. Well, everyone watching the draft from last weekend on night one certainly came away with a very favorable impression of Kayvon Thibodeau on stage, but Let's not forget there were two other people on stage with Kayvon Thibodeau. Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL, and some guy named Sam Prince, who has become a household name for us here in New Jersey, New York, and across the country. And Sam joins me now. Uh, It won't be too long before he takes my job and the job of every other sports writer slash reporter broadcaster out there. But... Welcome to All In, Sam Prince. Obviously, I talked to you last week, and it's great to have you on the podcast this week. Thank you, Art. It means a lot to be be here. Honored to be here. Let's talk to the Giants. (laughs) Fired up, as always. Uh, Sam, before we get into, I mean, we'll talk a bunch of different stuff. Why don't you share for for our audience just your story, how you got here, and and what this has been like the uh, the last week or so. All right, all right, let's do it. My name is Sam Prince. I was born with hypoplastic left heart syndrome. What that is, I was born with a half a heart, and I also have one lung. I still have one lung to this day, and I got a heart transplant on March 14, 2011, and I have, for 11 years, I've had my new heart. It's been fantastic. I've been living my life as a normal human being can. Uh, I've always been a Giants fan all my life. It's Blee Blue, my family. My grandpa, Ben Tab, has had season ticket hold, tickets for the New York Giants for over 50 years. And I applied for Make-A-Wish in 2019 to go to the 2020 NFL draft to announce their first round, the Giants' first rounder in 2020 in Las Vegas. But obviously, that didn't happen. Right. The pandemic. So I had to wait two years. And 
here we are, 2022. I got surprised uh, last Monday, right before the draft, about how, that I'm going to Vegas and that I'm announcing the first round pick. That there's an ESPN My Wish documentary airing on me about me in July. I'm super excited for that. And, you know, it's been a crazy couple of days for me. My life has changed forever, ever since that moment. Well, a great, quick, concise, and certainly poignant in terms of uh, how we got here. Let, let's talk about that moment on stage. I know, you know, having, like I said, I had the opportunity to speak with you and your mom, Debbie, on, on Friday uh, when you guys were still out in Vegas to write the story that appeared at NorthJersey.com. So if you haven't checked that story out, make sure you check that out. Uh, we'll get to Sam's social stuff. He can promote his podcast as well. We'll do that in a little bit. Uh, but you're on that stage, and I know you talked a little bit about the moment when the pick comes in. Now, we get this on Twitter, as you, I'm sure, have seen in the past. They don't like reporters spoiling picks, right? Because the pick comes into the league office, and some reporters have access to those picks. And that usually comes two, three minutes before the actual announcement is made. Now you're on stage with Roger Goodell and the Giants pick comes onto the screen. Take me from there on what was going through your mind and how that played out. All right, all right. And first of all, I don't like how reporters, some of them, how they swirl the pick for the fans because then what's the point of watching the draft is you're just going to find out on Twitter who's the pick. I mean, doesn't that ruin all the fun? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, there is that argument. Um... You know, the the thing is, I agree with you with that idea. I, I, I feel like you're almost stealing what you would consider breaking news in that situation. You weren't breaking any news. You were getting the information from a mainframe system. Uh, so essentially, you agree to kind of embargo the information. Like, you didn't whip your phone out right away and start. You no. could have easily tweeted Kayvon Thibodeau, and people would have been like, whoa, Sam has breaking information, but it's not really breaking information. Now, if you're on pick three, and as a reporter, if I get a text from someone who knows and says, look, if Thibodeau is there, he's our guy, well, then that's a little different story in terms of breaking news. So I agree with you. I think we kind of blur that line. Uh, but you had the pick before anyone, well, you, the Giants, and Roger Goodell. Uh, so take me from there. You didn't spoil it, but what are those emotions like? No, I would never spoil it. It was crazy because I said to Mr. Mara that if Kayvon Thibodeau was on the board, I would run up the podium myself and select him. Little did I know that my wish would be granted 10 minutes later by Joe Shane and Dave's. It was crazy, but, I mean, I did it. You know, I saw the card they handed to me. I was like, ooh! <laughs> Couldn't believe it. You know, I see it. You know, I was practicing his name to just make sure I, I correct because I didn't want to become kind of mean for the wrong reason because that would not be good. And so, you know, I'm practicing, and I wanted, I went out there saw the bright lights, saw hundreds of hundreds of thousands of people out there, whether it's Big Blue, Gang Green, Philly, Dallas, KC, Buffalo, Seattle, whether there's all these fans all coming together to this one pick. And I was just trying to get this crowd amped up and, of course, get the New York Football Giants fans amped up for Kayvon Thibodeau. I announced that it was beyond anything I could have pictured. And then Kayvon came out and did his little dance and then 
my whole let's go thing with Kayvon and that was awesome I still can't believe it and then after the pick I was backstage a little after with Mr. Goodell and Mr. Goodell got a lot a lot a lot of backlash about him that people say he's a jerk but he's really not he spent more than enough time with me he could have spent like two minutes with me and I could like all like he could have needed but he spent like 20 minutes with me and that's just so nice. That's just the guy he is. But back to me, you know, I was with him a little more. Then I was backstage with Colleen Wolf and Michael Irving a little bit. And then for a couple more picks, and then Colleen Wolf interviewed me uh, on the draft stage while you guys were at Commercial Birds at home. Wow. Uh, now, when I talked to you on Friday, one of the things that struck struck me is that you definitely seemed at ease. That you you were, you know, people say that, an athlete or a performer is made for that stage. And you, the way you handled yourself, it made it seem like you were just completely comfortable in that kind of setting. Now, you're 19 years old. You're from Jersey. So I kind of have a, a little bit of a history. I'm only 30 years older than you only. But um, I, for you in that moment, were there any nerves? Did you get the nervousness out? Did you hide it well? What... Because you didn't look nervous, uh, you looked made for that moment. What what were the feelings involved? What were the emotions? Well, our, if you're not nervous for something, that means that you're not excited for it and you don't care about it. I've learned from Bruce Beck. He's taught me that. And, you know, I was nervous because I don't want to mess up the name or mess the 2022 up, mess any little thing up because then, I, again, I'd be letting me. But, you know what, I was like, I was a little nervous. But, you know, I was just so excited, the excitement brushed off the nerves. Now, you, you mentioned, obviously, your interview with Colleen Wolf. You're with Michael Irvin, who's a Hall of Famer. Obviously, you know, Giants fans are not necessarily huge fans of, yeah. of Mr. Cowboy and the Playmaker. But uh, then over the weekend, you had the opportunity to sit on the NFL Network set uh, with, with Rich Eisen and Charles Davis. And I saw your selfie with Schrags, you know, Peter Schrager. Uh, Peter Schrager obviously last week uh, was on on this podcast, so we kind of previewed the draft. It, when you think about it, now you, you were all the way through uh, the weekend, right? You and your family came home on Sunday, is that right? We came home Sunday night. So when uh, you when you get home Sunday night, and then Monday, I assume you went back to school Monday. I did. Um, Take me through that. What what was that like for you to walk into school? I mean, I'm sure people knew you were going out there, but to have it happen that way is pretty crazy. Yeah, our, every, the whole school knew I was going out. So every morning, I do the morning announcements, and I did the morning announcements, and let's just say it was everyone was coming out to me while I was going to the room to do the morning announcements because everyone was like, oh my gosh, I was Vegas like when they were talking. And then teachers were coming up to me, and I was talking to them for 20 minutes at least. Basically, I, I didn't really go to class first period. So they were bombarding me, but it was okay. Uh, one of the, the teachers was okay with it. They, they wrote me on it. They just, they just wrote me present. They're like, yeah, we get it. <laughs> that, that's actually pretty funny. So what's, out of all the weekend, and obviously I've seen you, you've done different podcasts, you've been on radio, I mean, FAN, ESPN Radio with Michael K., uh, you know, I've I've watched your media tour over the last, you know, five days or so. Uh, and 
what's your favorite story when when someone said to you whether it was at school or you know when when you're three months down the line if you had to go back and kind of tell me the favorite story maybe something so simple that you haven't discussed yet or really gone into it too much uh what what would be your favorite moment uh, of the weekend I guess other than the big embrace with Thibodeau, which we can get to. Other than than the big selection? Yeah, yeah. Going on NFL Network. Because to me, that's a dream come true of mine. I've always wanted to be on a major platform like that to go over draft and be a draft analysis and to do it with one of my idols, Rich Eisen, my other idols, Peter, Charles, and Daniel. It was awesome. Dream come true. And then Rich let me anchor it and... Rich said I rocked it, and the rest of them said I rocked it too. And I, I had no idea it was coming, and I thought of those questions off the top of my head. That was a truly a, an amazing moment for me. Now, when I said at the top that you know you are an aspiring sports broadcaster, this isn't yeah. something that that popped up all of a sudden now because of the weekend. Uh, you were telling me a little bit about your college choices, uh, where you want to go. Uh, take me into that. I mean, you also you spent time at Bruce Beck's sports casting camp last summer. Bruce is obviously a good friend of mine and one of the most respected broadcasters in the business. Um, so for you, take me through your your college process right now, and you know what what are you thinking? What do you what do you want to do with yourself, and how has that changed over the last you know five six days? Well, you know, Bruce is a great guy, but I got my start from play-by-play camps ran by Jeremy Treatman and Steve Goldstein, great camp. Bruce's, Bruce, the Bruce broadcast, Bruce Beck sports broadcasting camp is also amazing. But So I, I go to those two places. And so this is what I want to do. I mean, on my college, I currently am going to college as of right now. Things could change in the next week or two with some things that I'm, I should probably think if they don't happen. So I'm going to keep that on a down low. But yeah, <laughs> as of right now, I'm super excited to go to Ithaca College. So Ithaca College is the place to be for you and, and continue to, your your broadcasting career uh, and obviously learning to get back to uh, four years from now. We'll see you running the, running the NFL draft show over on NFL Network. I'm sure that's the dream. That is the dream, you know, of... Uh, they want to hire me right now. I'm glad they do it. <laughs> well, you know what? They certainly gave you quite an audition over the weekend. Did you ever think, I mean, take me to Thursday, you know, Thursday morning or whenever. I assume you arrived in Vegas on Wednesday, right? Yeah. So you're Thursday, you're preparing for all the moment. What were you thinking? So, T- take me I'm, through what you were thinking in terms of what you were going to end up doing. Just so good in you never know if you're getting a moment like this again. So I put my phone, do not disturb, had it in my pocket. There was only a phone call for people who had real emergencies. Like my mom, my dad, but they're with me, like my grandma and my grandma. And then it called me, like those, like those people like that, like you are the only ones that can go through my phone. Because those are the ones who, like, if you had a real emergency, you call me, like, it's really bad if you called me, like, and I'm like, because, like you would probably call my mom, my dad, or my uncle, and stuff like that. Right. First, but, you know, I was just soaking in, you know, that morning I had to eat and I Ben Lepper, the uh, kid who kept the Patriots second rounder. Yeah. was awesome. Got to know him a little bit. And then, you know, we watched NFL Live. I actually got to meet Ryan Clark and Dan Arthrowski that day. 
And then they had Travis Kelsey on it. Ben and I got to meet Travis. Travis is a pretty cool guy. And then we ate lunch there. And, you know, I also got to meet Marcus Spears right after he was walking out. And then I went to the red carpet, met some of the players, met some people. And then I was at the draft that day. You know, don't forget, Vegas is three hours earlier. And why is the draft on the West Coast? It's far superior because you have the whole night after. And I was just having a great time in Vegas after. For you, though, going in, I would imagine they told you, you know, look, we're going to get you to do this, this, that, and the other thing. And then once you call your pick, I would think, just on the surface, not much else is promised to you, right? I mean, it's not like they said, okay, we're going to do this for you, that for you. You're going to go on NFL Network. All that stuff came afterwards, right? Or at yeah. the very least, it was all a surprise. Yeah, so it all came after, I think because the Kayvon and I, we had the interaction, and we're like, oh, we're like, we had like that dance kind right. of it, that, that celebration, like, let's go moment. And people fell in love with that moment. Look, I had, that wasn't planned. I was just being me, and I still can't believe that even happened earlier. And really, I, and then things escalated from there. Now, you are, obviously, you said you are a. Born into a Giants family, you are a diehard New York Giants fan. Beyond your make-a-wish being granted, uh, you were a Giants fan. Now, you told me last Friday, if you weren't in Vegas for the draft, there's a chance that either you'd be a, at someone's draft party watching the draft intently, or you would have made your way over to MetLife for the Giants draft party. So this isn't one of those things where... You know, you had the wish granted, then you became a Giants fan. You were a longtime Giants fan. So you had your transplant in 2011, right? That is that what you had said? Yes, March 14, 2011. So you're, you're talking about a year later, less than a year later, is when the Giants won the Super Bowl with Super Bowl 46. So you got to be a part of, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> be a part of that. Um, I know you love Eli Manning, but take me through some of your fandom. What are some of the moments that you've really appreciated? Now, obviously, it's been a rough decade beyond the the Super Bowl, but give a feel for what kind of Giants fan you are. Well, I'll give you a couple moments of mine. So, I became a fan. I became a, like I went my first Giants. Not became a. I went my first Giants game in twenty eleven, and then in twenty fourteen, I became a fanatic. And actually, 2015 was my favorite all-time moment of the Giants. And it's when Dwayne Harris beat the, beat the Dallas Cowboys on kick return touchdown for a go-ahead score. Now it's a great back-and-forth game that Dwayne Harris won them a game on a special team touchdown. I mean, when are we? When do Giants fans get to see it? I don't really see a kickoff return for touchdown. Like, we don't see that often. Just like any type of fan, seeing that after go-ahead touchdowns win it. Which, that was amazing. Um, another one of my favorite fans moments is when the Giants and make which surprised me in 2020 because they felt really bad for me that I couldn't go out to Vegas. Um, they got in touch with Andrew Thomas. Andrew Thomas heard, heard about my story, and he wanted to meet me, and we talked for about a good 20, 30 minutes, and that really made my day. The Giants said that this is a world-class organization and that they really care about each individual fan. And then, obviously, this one. So when you're sitting there and you obviously got the first pick and all the emotional high with Kayvon Thibodeau, you're actually backstage with Colleen Wolf and Michael Irvin, and 
Giants are still going to be on the clock. What were your emotions there? How did you kind of refocus and and get into that second pick when Evan Neal comes aboard? Our, I was on cloud nine when that moment happened. I'm still on cloud nine. And so at pick six, the Panthers picked Akeem Aquano. And I was like, okay, they're going to pick either Neal or Aki at six. Understandable. It was a great pick. Then when it comes to starting the New York Giants, I taken the pictures with Michael Irvin, calling with awesome people. And there was someone from the NFL who told me, you know, I know the pick. Would you like me to tell you? I said, no, I want to watch on TV. <laughs> and I was like, fingers crossed, Evan Neal, Evan Neal, Charles Cross, Charles Cross. But if you had to pick one, Evan Neal. And I was Evan Neal. I was like, let's go, let's go. And then Michael Irvin was like, I got a hand the New York Giants. That was a that was a really good pick, and they're having a really good draft so far. Did you? I gotta let. I mean, I can't imagine last Wednesday that you, if I had told you, you'd be rubbing elbows with everybody that you talked to, spending so much time with Hall of Famers and broadcasters that you idolize. Um, I mean, have you gotten your pinch yourself moment yet, or are you just kind of riding this high, like you said, on cloud nine? Yeah, I'm riding the wave as long as I can. While I was there in Vegas, I didn't pitch myself because sometimes I did think it was a dream. That's that's crazy. Now, you, you had a couple great things to say. Let, let's talk about Thibodeau a little bit. Uh, and I know you didn't have the opportunity. I mean, they whisked those guys off stage and yeah. they have to go do a bunch of stuff. So I know you didn't have a moment beyond what we saw. I mean, maybe it was like two, three minutes at most. Uh in that moment, I mean, for you to now be really captured in in a historical moment for him, I mean, whenever anyone shows him with Roger Goodell and his jersey, they're probably going to show the photo with you in it. Um, that that's it's pretty an ama- It really is an amazing moment in his lifetime, but also in yours. You know, our, one of my friends told me that, you know, don't let anyone tell you, oh, don't mess the pick up. He said, soak it all in, and this is not only a dream come true for you, but it's also a dream come true for the player that's getting selected. Because you and whoever you select, which was Kayvon, will always remember that for the rest of your lives. You know, you had said something about his his dream coming true and your dream coming true in that moment, um, and I, I'm not sure if you could ever predict something like that so you gave him a lot of credit right for for what had happened and you just kind of went off for the ride um yeah. that it wasn't he just kind of pulled you in and that was just the way it went yeah yeah what are your thoughts on i know obviously you you probably had time to break down the entire draft class what'd you think for uh for joe shane and his first draft class as gm I thought he got an A. I think, you know, I think this is the first time Giants fans have been super excited by the Giants draft class in over ten years. Yeah, you're probably right. It's it's one of those things where, uh, and the fact that Thibodeau was the first pick, I thought was interesting. That no one really put that out there. You know, it was actually the opposite. There were people who kind of thought that they were not going to go down the road of Kayvon Thibodeau. And the fact that they did kind of shows that the, the front office has changed a little bit 
in terms of information that they're going to put out there. So as a fan perspective, I'm sure it's a little bit more anxious, but also a little bit more exciting to know that they could pull off moves that maybe you didn't see coming. I love that because this, this is showing that the Giants are going best player available. I think it's strategically because we all thought that the Giants could have, and it would have been a great pick at Evany on five because they needed the line and it would have made sense. But they saw that there was a run on defensive players and that they weren't going to trade down at number seven overall. And then Carolina was going to go with the offensive tackle. And they're going to go with the best offensive tackle available to select Kayvon. And that happened to Evan Deal. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, in that situation, it would not have surprised me in the least if they had gone Evan Neal at five, uh, which I believe they would have done. I think Neal was their top offensive lineman. That someone may have sweetened the pot for Carolina at six and gotten up there to try to take Kayvon Thibodeau. And two of those teams, I think, would have been the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, would have done what they could to get up into that spot. So it's a very interesting dynamic. Almost a, a year after what had happened last year uh, with Devontae Smith and leaving Micah Parsons to Dallas and trading down, uh, they would have had a, a different scenario uh, in that situation. So, Sam, why, why don't you tell me, or at least tell our listeners, where to find you online, uh, where can they find your podcast, uh, and all the stuff that you got going on uh, as a fan, but also immersed in the media as well. All right, Art. So my Twitter handle is SamThePrince14, and my Instagram account is also SamThePrince14. I have a podcast called Prince the Pod. It's available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or, and Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. And we, I advertise my podcast on TikTok and Instagram, and the social media handles for TikTok and Instagram are Prince on the Pod. And once again, my podcast account is called Prince on the Pod, and you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. And then my personal handle is Sam the Prince 14 on Instagram and Twitter. Gotcha. That That's awesome. Well, listen, you have had a wild week, and uh, coming out of the weekend of the NFL draft, if people say, you know, Sam Prince is one of the guys they remember, it's um, – it's it's got to be one of those things where, like you said, a dream, cloud nine, however you want to describe it. So I do appreciate you coming on this podcast, and we'll definitely have to have you back on. Uh, I hope you'll have an opportunity to get out to camp, whether it's rookie camp at the Giants or even this summer at training camp, and we definitely could hook up in person and, and you know and hang out a little bit. Oh yeah, our, uh, we got definitely got to hook up in person, either at one of the camps or somewhere else. Sounds great, Sam. Well, listen, for for Sam Prince and I'm Art Stapleton, this has been a wild week for the New York Giants. We know you're all in. We're all in, too. We'll catch you next week for a preview of Rookie Minicamp. Have a great day.